Anna here. Did you know I have another podcast? And did you know it's all about failure? Well, at this point, you'd have to answer yes to both of those questions because I just told you. But my other show isn't just about failure. It's about failing your way to success. Yes, success. Because the most successful people are often just the people who've gotten up the most times after their failures. Don't believe me? Go download Fail Your Way to Success wherever you get your podcasts or go to failyourway.com for more info. Now back to the show. I wouldn't say we fell in love right away. I think we were, as they call it in the biz, trauma bonding. And then after eight years of being insufferably sober, I started drinking again. Addicts tend to be rather sensitive people. Aren't you Mark Maron? I'm like, yeah. And she goes, what happened to you? Hey, this is Anna David. You're listening to Recover Girl. It's my podcast about addiction recovery and all that falls in between. Today, I'm so excited because we are venturing into previously undiscussed territory for the most part. We're talking about eating disorders. We're talking specifically about how do you take an eating disorder that nobody wants to hear about, let alone see on screen, and make it hilarious. I'm doing that by interviewing, slash I already interviewed, obviously, I'm recording the introduction after having done it. Her name's Angela Gullner. I interviewed her over Facebook Live. I've been doing those every Tuesday at 4 o'clock Pacific Standard Time on my Facebook page, which you can get to by going to facebook.com slash David. I'm not totally up on the Facebook algorithm, but I think if you like the page, you get notified, maybe if it falls into the newsfeed at the right time when I'm doing one of these interviews. So I hope you show up. It's really fun. Um, if you don't, I am now releasing them as podcasts. So Angela created and stars in a series called Binge, which you can find out about by going to binge the series. Dot com And I highly recommend you do that because um, I find almost nothing funny and I found this hilarious. So Angela is a Harvard University educated actress, uh, multi-talent, who I want to be her best friend. I hope she's okay with that. Angela, if you're listening, you kind of know this because I kind of get into that in the interview. But in this interview, we talk about what age her eating disorder started. It's a lot earlier than you think. How parents can help prevent kids from developing these eating disorders, particularly when it comes to girls and comments about their weight, and why she decided to go the independent route with Binge the series. Um, it has a little bit to do with how people don't want to acknowledge eating disorders. Now, she and when I say she, I mean Angela, is in the process of doing a Indiegogo um, campaign to get funding for Binge. You can contribute. All you have to do is email her, series at gmail.com, or just go to bingetheseries.com and you can get all the information. But there's this awesome Indiegogo campaign. I'm going to contribute. I'm terribly selfish. So if I am going to contribute, it must be really good. You can also get on her newsletter list by texting the word binge to 474747. Mm-hmm. 
You can find out all of this if you go to my website where I will have in the show notes, I will have all of this information. I will have links to her show. You can get those at lighthustler.com or you can sign up for my newsletter. Just go crazy signing up for newsletters, but you can sign up for mine at anadavidcoaching.com. Angela is the perfect example of what I love, which is somebody who is taking her dark, uh, sharing her dark to find her light and making it hilarious. With that, I'm going to give you Angela Gulner. Welcome. you. Anyone who's here, hi, I'm Anna David. I am talking right now. I host this. Uh, it is every Tuesday at four o'clock Pacific Standard Time. It is a. It is an interview on my Facebook page. Should it have a name? That's what I'm wondering. We're going to get into that and so much more in today's episode. Um, every week I talk to somebody about, uh, usually about addiction and recovery, but this week it's a, hi, Richard, uh, we're, we're, we're advancing and that's good because I want to get beyond just talking about drug addiction and alcoholism, not that it's not a fascinating topic. Anyway, this is also a podcast. So if you are hearing this, that you're listening to recover girl and that is my podcast and, you know that because you're listening. What else do I want to tell you? Um, I want to tell you that I have a massive, massive girl crush happening right now. Angela, what you may not know is that I don't say that. Richard, do I ever say that? Please chime in. Um, this is Angela Gulner, and um, she she's going to be able to talk, I promise. She is, once I stop raving about her, she is the writer, producer, star of a web series called binge now here is what i'm going to tell you and angela i didn't um hey rodney i didn't fully get into this as much as i should have um uh i don't like most things i'm just gonna say that great here. <laughs> binge the tv series com. i'm putting that url up here on the screen i want you to go to that but i don't want you to watch her show yet, because if you start watching her show, it is so addictive that you are going to stop watching us. And the goal is for you to watch us and then later watch the show. It is the funniest web series I have ever seen. This, and it is about, yes, binging and purging and eating disorders, and it should not be funny. And I don't laugh out loud, and I was laughing out hysterically. <laughs> now, the other confession that I have is that I hadn't seen the series when I booked Angela for this show. And that's because when I was at After Party, I assigned a story on it and my writer went totally crazy for it. So I, I, it had been vetted. And then yesterday I was like, I'm going to watch five minutes of this pilot because I have no time and cut to, you know, I couldn't turn it off. I could not turn it off. So okay. if anybody knows me and knows what a snob I am, you know what a miracle it is that I love something so much. So Angela, um, please let's get into your origin story. And I want to talk about <laughs> origin. We don't need to take it from birth, but I want to talk about, um, about your eating disorder, your decision to go public mm -hmm. with it. And then I want to get into the origin story of how you created this amazing series. So let's just talk. When yeah. did your eating disorder start? Well, you know, I mean, it's, it's hard to like, narrow it down to a specific date because as women, and I think as humans, because, you know, one third of those who struggle with eating disorders are men, but we have these like cultural things ingrained in us from such a young age. So, you know, I, I had like 
like body hate and body shame, you know, I can trace it back to being six years old. Mm. But when it really started to manifest itself into behaviors, I was about 16, 17 years old. And really my senior year of college was when it really like grabbed a hold of me and like became the center of my life. Um, so yeah. about that body shame. So you remember being six years old and what do you remember? Um, is it is it just like you remember looking in the mirror and going, wait, I have pudge. What was it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was it was like all of a sudden I felt because I was like a very um, like loud, opinionated, rambunctious kid. And I got teased at a really young age, like a lot of people are. But I just remember like feeling like my body was so much bigger than the other girls around me. And I started to associate like taking up space with being bad. And if I was smaller and like took up less physical space, I would be less embarrassed as a human. So I really associated big with bad, small with good. And um, that sort of mentality really dictated the way I lived my life for a really long time. That's so interesting. I remember, you know, Rodney just chimed in, girls start paying attention at age six. This is news to me. I remember my friend uh, Katie and I doing a thing. My parents had like a doctor's scale, you know, that kind that, you know, they were, you know, like a doctor's scale. It was very precise. And I remember we would run in front of the scale, jump mm-hmm. the scale, weigh ourselves, get off, drink water, weigh ourselves again, and like down to oh the like, and, and it was it was crazy. And um, you know, food is one of these things that I would say I don't struggle with. I mean, I do. I'm female. I live in Los Angeles, but I come from a long line of eating disordered people. I grew up in Marin County, like. I, I, I am um, way less screwed up about it than one would think I would be. Um, and, uh, <laughs> That's great. Panic <laughs> attacks. I'm like, I'm the target audience. Why don't I have these? I don't know, but it's great. <laughs> so, so Wonderful. I didn't actually develop any sort of full-blown eating disorder. And, um, and that's what I was doing when I was 10 years old. So mm-hmm. I, I think it is common. Mm-hmm. Um, so when did you... Yeah. So you went to college. Where did you grow up, Angela? Uh oh, in Minnesota, in the Twin Cities. Minnesota. Oh, yeah. I didn't know that. Um, such a hipster. My mother grew up in Minnesota. Okay, so you. So where did you go to? Oh, really? Oh, cool. Where did I went to this place called Saint Saint Olaf College. Okay. You may know it from Golden Girls fame. Um. Um. Joe Schrank is chiming in. Small with good, I'm in trouble. I don't know. Is that English, Joe? Uh, did you? Joe's a very articulate guy, so so I, I kind of get what he's saying. But you can say it in, in better um, in, in ways that are small. Is, small is good. Um, but anyway, so so you grew up. Um, at a certain point, you said to yourself, "Well, I'm uncomfortable with this being in this body. There's something I can do about it. I can expel food. Is that is that how it came to be?" Sort of. I My eating disorder started with anorexia, actually, and it morphed into bulimia in college. So for me, I went on a diet and the diet worked. And I'm very much, you know, a perfectionist. I'm an achiever. Everything I do, I do it really well. And as a woman, when you lose weight, you get for it. 
constantly. It's like the it's like the greatest compliment, especially in high school. It's like, you look thinner. Have you lost weight? Like all the popular girls were like stopping me in the hallway and asking me for diet tips. And I felt like it's it's kind of messed up because like I felt seen for the first time as I was getting smaller. Mm -hmm. um, and that's really gross <laughs> and it's really sad. Um, I think it's, but after it's super common, definitely. But you know, after a couple of years with anorexia and you know, all the things that come with it, like hair loss and you stop menstruating and you're cold all the time. And my body just couldn't do it anymore. And, um, when you restrict, when you, you might, you know, a lot of people experience that, okay, I'm cutting carbs a week in, you'll like eat an entire loaf of bread without realizing what has happened to you. It's like when you deprive your body of something, it's gonna work really hard to try and get as much of that thing as it possibly can. And that's sort of how my bulimia started because I started binging every time I ate something, I couldn't stop eating, right, right, but I right. couldn't deal with, I couldn't deal with eating. So the purging and it became this cycle how long, how many years were you binging and purging? I was doing that for probably, I would say like seven or eight years with, with breaks of like, I would say like I went into remission for like, you know, a couple months at a time. So it wasn't always terrible, but, um, but it was definitely present for, I had my, my eating disorder for about 10 years and like the bulimia portion was probably around eight and how much were you hiding this and how open were you being with people about what was going on? It's funny because I, I went to treatment um, my after my first year of college. I did like an outpatient treatment um, and I it was pretty clear to everyone who knew me that something was going on because my my appearance was so, so different. Um, so I was pretty open about it when I was seeking treatment, but what I wasn't open about was when I started to relapse. Um, and so I was relapsing into bulimia again, but everyone thought I was okay because I had already gone to treatment. So it was this kind of double-edged sort of like of being sort of able to, I was able to hide in public because people assumed I was okay. Did you gain back weight during that period? Is that why they thought you were? Yep, yeah. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so much of what people talk about in terms of eating disorders is this idea of control. And you touched on it with talking about perfectionism. How much of it was brought on by uh, feelings of panic, feelings of depression, feelings of I can't control my life? And how much of it was? I think, yeah. Which was, was you it know, it was definitely a combination. It's this sort of like snake eating its own tail. It was like I was graduating from college. My parents were going through a lot of marital stress at the time. Um, my dad was so my family life was in chaos. So I was trying, you know, it's so much easier to focus on what you're putting in your body than it is to feel the feelings of being anxious or being worried. And I have a lot of anxiety um, and some, a, a bit of OCD too. So for me being able to, you know, do a calorie breakdown every day, it was like very clear cut way. This is how I do my day. This is what I invest in. This is what I think about. Um, but it, it kind of, it becomes this, this, this cycle where then you lose weight and then you fade and then you all of a sudden are, 
terrified that you're going to gain that weight back because it means you don't have control and that you're bad and that you're gross or that you're, I don't know, like a, like a pig or, or lazy, all of these terrible terms that we give to people who are overweight because our culture has a fear of fat and it's messed up and sad. Now, okay, you're breaking up a little bit, which is so tragic, um, but you're, you're just breaking up for some time, so it seems to be fine. Um, Carrie is asking, can you give any advice to parents on what to do and what not to do? My teenage daughter is struggling with this. Yes, I would say, first, I'm, I'm really sorry that, that you're, you, you both are going through this. It's really, really difficult the best thing that my mom did for me was to go to therapy for herself when I was sick. Because as parents, you want to take care of your child, but you, you can't really take care of anyone else unless you're taking care of yourself. And the feelings that you're feeling of pain of seeing your kid suffer, misplaced guilt and sadness, like you deserve to have someone help you manage those feelings and they'll be able to give you hints as to ways to approach your daughter. Um, that, that was the, the best thing my mom could do for me because she made it not about herself. She gave me room to have my own problem because she was taking care of her feelings in relation to it. Um, I think that's great. That's great advice. Also, because it's, yeah, I mean, it's, if there was a solution, I, because people will ask me about how do I get my kid not to be a drug addict or an alcoholic? And it's like, if there were a solution, I could, you know, first of all, be a billionaire. And second of all, you know, secure, <laughs> but, you know, but the other, the thing that I often tell people is, and I bet I, I kind of know Carrie, so I'm sure she's doing this already, but like, talk to your child about how they feel. I think most of my feelings of kind of, you know, being attracted to drugs and alcohol and had a lot to do with being uncomfortable and, and not feeling safe, expressing sadness and expressing all of these feelings. And it was a different time um, where kids weren't, you know, I think kids are a lot more coddled today, but, but I think so much of it had mm -hmm. to do, you know, sort of being told that when I felt sad, it was wrong. Do you know what I mean? That's a really good, that, that makes me think of something else too when you mention the feelings. I would say avoid talking about body shape and food because those are the, the trigger things. Those are the things that feed the eating disorder. But you're right, it's about how she feels and what she's going through as a human. She is more than this thing she's struggling with. Yeah. And it can be so easy to focus on the symptoms, but it's really about her spirit. Yeah. And that thing about not talking about food and body, it's like, you know, clearly we live in this culture where it's just hammered home at every turn. But luckily, we're around at a time where people are talking about these things. And nice segue, there are people like Angela making <laughs> shows about this and shows you want to watch. Um, there was this, uh, I don't know, Angela, if you saw, there was a Netflix, I think it was Netflix recently, um, a show. Mm -hmm. uh, it was a, not a TV movie, whatever. It was a special, whatever. It was about eating disorders. I liked it, but, but you know, my, the special place in my heart is for when people can sort of take their dark and share their light, when they can make something funny because it makes me want to watch it. Um, you know, my exposure mm -hmm. to the, you ever see the Meredith Baxter Bernie, uh, you're too young maybe, but that was this like this after school. Oh. 
Did you ever see it? Oh, no. Oh, yeah. I could go put that on your list. I'm sure it's somewhere like on YouTube. But yeah, she was it was Meredith Baxter. Write it down. Supermarkets, um, you know, buying Twinkies and stuff. And I was like, whoa, what is this? I saw it when I was in high school. Um, but but I will say, um, sorry, I'm trying to get rid of. Oh, yeah, that comment. OK, um, let's so let's talk about this series. So so you got into recovery um, about, did you say, eight to 10 years ago? No, I got into recovery, let's see, about five years ago. And at what point did you decide, wait, I know how to make a show about this that will actually show what it's like and be <laughs> Um, you know, it was it was kind of it was kind of a, a thing, it, it kind of took on its a life of its own. I got out of Victor, um and one of the things that drove me to treatment was that my eating disorder had taken all the joy out of acting for me. I just couldn't do it. I couldn't enjoy it. I couldn't be present. And then I was like, well, what's, what's, what's the point? You know, what's the point of my life if I can't do the things that I love to do? And so that meant and treatment, I was sort of grappling with this desire to create work for myself um, and to be able to have my own voice in the industry. And so it was kind of a perfect storm of wanting to say something and then coming out of this place that gave me so many stories. And all of a sudden I kind of looked around and I realized, oh, there's something here that really hasn't been talked about it in the way I want to talk about it, which is with a lot of humor because I find it all hilarious. And I don't know, it's, Humor is the best way for, for me, I think, to talk about things that are difficult. Because like you said, like, if you're going to make a TV show, it needs to be first and foremost entertaining. Like, it has to be. You have to be engaged. You have to want to watch it. And who really wants to watch, like, some skinny girl sit in a corner and cry? No, nobody wants to watch that. Like, that's not... That's not entertainment. That's like that's like an anorexia porn or something. Like that's something else. And I wanted to, I just wanted to freshen it up a little bit, make it feel like it actually felt to be in its place, all like crying in corners and looking out of windows, you know. And so, you guys, I cannot do it justice. But in the pilot, I mean, it's just like, uh, you know, we're already seeing like, uh, you know random hookups where, you know, uh, you know, you're sleeping with somebody to get this mug that doesn't actually make sense, but you now sell those mugs. I learned on your website. What does it say? Yeah. Does it say again? My other mug is your mom. And then like, and then it's just, oh, it's just so funny. And the camera just loves you. I mean, that's such a cheesy expression, but it really, really does. Um, <laughs> Thanks. Basically, you have this writing partner, Yuri, and you and Yuri say, let's write this mm -hmm. scene. What happened next? We write it. Um, we sent to his agents. They love it. Um, they sort of send it out a little bit in the town. People like it, uh, but um, because it reads aggressive on the page, you read it and it's, it's biting. Mm. And, you know, there isn't much content about eating disorders and there's this notion that they're really niche or that they don't affect many people or that they're not real mental illnesses they're self-inflicted and i i heard these things spoken back to me by executives and by representatives and um 
you know, it's not their fault. It's our culture. And in our society, we've really neglected these, these illnesses and really like pushed them aside. I think especially because we associate them with like young, rich white girls. Um, and it made it really hard to get a green light. So we decided, you know what, like people aren't quite understanding that, that this is a show for more people than just suffer with eating disorders. Like this is a show everyone can have fun with. So we decided to shoot the pilot ourselves with the change we had in our pockets. Um, and Yuri, Yuri has a, has a really small uh, production company called Happy Little Guillotine Studios and they're amazing. And so we pulled all the favors we could get and we shot it ourselves. And then we just thought, you know what, like, let's test the waters. Let's test the response and see for sure. Like we weren't sure what we had and we thought it was good, but, but we're like, ah, I don't know. So we put it online sort of kind of loosely wanted to see what, what people would think. And it just kind of exploded. And now it's got like half a million views on YouTube and has really community. You know, we get, like comments and emails from people every day all over the world who have responded to this show. And it's really been, it's really been life-changing and in a lot for my career and also for my recovery, you know, as I'm, I'm sure you experience this as well, but there's nothing like putting yourself in an advocacy position and just like showing it all that makes you invest in yourself, you know? Right, right. I mean, I don't know if you ever go through this, but sometimes you're like, whoa, why did I have to make such a big deal about this? Like, what if I want to relapse? And now, you know, here I put, yeah, I think that, I guess I can't. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. It, it, you know, in terms of the press that the series has garnered, it's been in Refinery29. Uh, uh, where else? Who else has written about it? Um, Bustle, Bust, Elite Daily, um, the Daily Mail wrote about it, IndieWire. It was really cool. People really came out. Um, look, we're educating some men. Rodney is saying, I need to be careful when I talk about size and weight around women. You know, I think it is really, you know, it can be triggering. I think as, especially what we were talking about too was formative years. Um, less so as we get older and we've all heard thousands of comments about our weight and everyone else's weight. I'll say um, my, I had a grandmother who greeted me every time she greeted me, I would get this little kiss and she'd go, you've lost weight or she wouldn't say anything. And I would know that I was bigger, uh, whatever. Um, but, but so I think that, um, yeah, I mean, it's complicated too, because sometimes is a man even safe going, you look skinny. Cause could that be triggering too? Yeah, like I just think there's so many, so much more, like so many more things are interesting about that person than what they look like. Like if it's a, you know, if it's your a junior high school niece, like what, what did you learn in school today? Or you know, ask them about who they are rather than what they look like. Or commenting about, I don't know, have you have you seen this movie that I really liked? Or who's your, what's your favorite album right now? Or have you, you know, seen making it? the conversation? Have you seen? Yes, exactly. Um, speaking of what they learned in school, um, I, uh, I have a Harvard fetish, so I should mention that Angela went to Harvard. She got an MFA at Harvard, so uh, that's just something that I felt the need to drop in there, sort of like a. <laughs> um, but so, so 
what I do also want to let people know, once you watch this uh, show, how many episodes are there, by the way? Right now, there's just the pilot episode, and then there's a prequel episode um, called The Blind Girl that's on the page. Um, now, so. what you get to do, you guys, if you text 474747, yes, three times, you can be added to the newsletter list, and you will be- You have to text, real quick, you have to text oh. binge to 477. Text. <laughs> no, that's okay. <laughs> yeah, so if you just text, well, you got to text that. Okay, 47, ugh, I'm so sorry. Tech is not really- <laughs> That's okay. Um, four seven text the word binge uh you will be added to this list and the reason i'm telling you this is that they are doing a massive campaign on indiegogo from november 27th through january 5th and you can donate and in donating you can win things like you can be an extra in the show uh, you can get a script for a new season before it's out there. Um, all sorts of cool things. You can also um, become an. Can anybody become an ambassador? Is that yeah? True? Yeah, just email us. Mm -hmm. If you absolutely email, binge the TV series at gmail.com. That's binge the TV series at gmail.com. You can become an ambassador. I'm going to do it. The last thing I need to be an ambassador for something like I need a hole in the head. Um, but <laughs> so, you guys, I'm so into this that I'm going to do that. So, and if you're listening to this on the podcast, it, it is probably November 27th, between November 27th and January 5th. So you can do those things and you can, I highly encourage you to get involved with this. Um, so, what I also wanted to get into, what was the, um, was it triggering to shoot scenes? You know, for those of you who haven't seen the show, she's uh, playing a character who is actively binging and purging. And, you know, does that trigger your disease to do that? It's, it's a strange thing because um, I forgot, you get into a certain part, uh, point in your recovery and you get what it was like, but you put your body back in that space and you kind of start to remember a little bit. Um, but I was doing so much on that set. You know, it was just like six of us on set. I was assistant directing. I was line producing. I was, you know, setting props and fixing makeup. And we were all doing a million different jobs that the amount of time I spent acting was so much smaller than the amount of time I spent producing. And we had to move so quickly that I didn't have a lot of time to dwell in the emotion of it. We just kind of like had to get the shot and go. And that was really helpful because um, it allowed it to just be a, a scene we were shooting. Um, and I think I, I was about three, three and a half years into recovery at that point. So that was really important. I don't think it would have honestly been safe for me to do this right after I got out of treatment. Like those three years allowed me to get into a really solid place in my recovery where I felt safe to do it. Um, and I also had a really supportive team around me. Mm -hmm. Meaning your friends and the crew and everybody on it. Yeah, yeah. And my, my therapist that I was seeing at the time knew about it and we would check in and make sure that it was sitting right and feeling safe. So that was great too. And, and on a related note, you know, obviously when one is sober from drugs and alcohol, one eliminates that from one's life. 
when it is something like food, how does that affect your day-to-day -day life? Uh, and what would you tell people who are struggling with that? It's really hard. Um, it's a much, you have to, for me anyway, I had to get really comfortable living in the gray area. Um, and this idea of holding two truths at once has been really powerful for me, where I could say, okay, today I feel fat and disgusting. That's something that feels true for me. Another thing that's true is that I'm going to eat. And they're, they're both going to be true, and that's going to be okay. And I'm going to be uncomfortable, but it's going to be okay. And starting to get comfortable living in a place that's not so black and white, that's not so all or nothing, which is different from, from alcohol and drug addiction because it has to be nothing, right? Like you have, to, you have to clean slate it, but with eating disorders, you have to allow room for, for kindness and gentleness with yourself and for, um, I don't know, for, for days where you don't do quite as well as the next day and, and letting it be this nebulous thing that that you're working with. You have to be really honest with yourself. And do you follow a food program where like you don't eat flour and sugar and do you go to meetings mm -hmm. and that kind of thing? No, uh-uh, no. I I was on a meal plan for a couple of years, but now I just do what what's called intuitive eating where I just kind of follow what my body wants like a, like a normal person would. Um, I never thought it would be possible for me after struggling for 10 years. Um, I never thought it would be possible for me to eat intuitively, but but it is. It, it is. It's possible to to change the way your brain and body work. It's it's really cool. Um, by the way, Joe just chimed in with something that's a really important point, which is it doesn't have to be nothing. I think drugs and alcohol are closer to eating disorders than we know. And I neglected to say that just now, which is like it's true for me that I don't mm -hmm. drink drugs, but there are all sorts of people I know. Sure absolutely addicted and can happily drink in moderation and all of those things. So that is, that is a really, really good point. Um, I, I, my point really was that it's so much easier for me that that's my, <laughs> because I yeah. don't have to deal with it on a day-to-day -day basis. Yeah. Uh, so what else would you like people to know, or do you guys have any other questions for Angela? I will say that Rodney texted, so you guys <laughs> can text and be on this newsletter list, and your assignment for once you finish watching this um, is at least go and watch the pilot. It's, what, 25 minutes, 20 minutes? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, you, will, you will get an education in eating disorders. <laughs> if you don't laugh six times, I'll pay you $5. I'm <laughs> Email me. I will PayPal you five dollars if you can. <laughs> you didn't laugh five times. Did I say five. Um, yeah, and Joe is still. Yes, it's certainly more. Mm -hmm. you, to, you don't have to drink. Um, but anyway, sorry. Is there anything else you'd like people to know? Um, I guess just if anyone is is struggling, the big thing I like to tell people is that life without this is possible. And I, I did not believe it, but it is, I promise, like it is possible to be free. The biggest thing for me is that I have gotten my brain back. My brain is no longer consumed with food and shape and weight. My brain is free to, 
you know, do the things I love and to make television shows and to talk with you on this podcast and not worry about what I'm having for dinner. I don't really care. You know, um, it's possible to live a life that is free and that is yours and and that help is out there um, and, and you should find it. And the help for you came through therapy. Mm -hmm. I, yeah, yeah, I did a I did a uh, partial hospitalization program. So it was six days a week for about six, seven hours a day for about four months. So I did a pretty intensive life reboot, um, but it it worked. And yeah, I mean, and Catherine is saying beautiful, Angela. Hi, Catherine. Yeah. <laughs> wanted to, to echo that. Yeah, it's the obsession. If, you know, because I had that experience with drugs and alcohol, if you, you're like, there will never be a time in my life where I'm not prioritizing this. It's just bizarre. It is just truly, and you may not even when you're in it, realize that you're obsessing mm -hmm. over that you're prioritizing it, but it is just strange. You assume your life is always going to revolve around this thing. And then it just doesn't anymore. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's cool. It's really cool. And, um, if people want to reach you, you are mm -hmm. on all the social medias. Um, yes, just I am. At, at Angela Gulner. Are you everywhere as just your name like that? I'm on Twitter and Facebook at Angela Gulner. On Instagram, I'm at Gulnatron. Okay, you got to make it. You got to make it hard like that for me. I don't. I know. know. I know. I know. I was being clever five uh, years ago when I created my account. <laughs> So overrated. One of my email addresses is overanalyzed at gmail.com with two ends because I'm being super clever. Nobody gets it right. All they get are bounce backs. It's my Skype name and it's always screwing oh my God. Cover so overrated. Um, but if you want to find Angela, go follow her. And um, and yeah, Angela, I cannot thank you enough for doing this. Thank you. It was super fun. By the way, if you guys are watching this, um, today. So if you're listening, this is totally, totally not relevant anymore. I'm doing a crazy thing I decided to do today, which is that I'm giving away my course, my uh, course about how to write a book proposal for free to three people. So all you have to do is go to this URL, which I'm about to give you. Of course, my computer's being completely slow. I'm going to put it on the screen. Um, go to lighthustler.com slash free dash course and you are entered into this contest and the cool thing about this contest it's this new plugin software that i'm playing around with it's so cool every time you get more people to sign up you get more entries it's 497 dollars value cool. and you can get it for free if you've ever thought about writing a book i highly recommend it so i'm saying that and i'm saying angela obsessed with you don't don't worry i don't know how to stop mutual <laughs> and you guys i will see you next week at uh four o'clock pacific standard time love you bye, bye.